on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. We dive right into local college football with a breakdown of OU's stunning loss against K-State. We also discuss Oklahoma State's win over West Virginia. In the National College Football Roundup, we talk about a few of the best games of the weekend, including Texas's improbable comeback against Texas Tech and Mississippi State beating LSU. We give you our winners and losers of the weekend and wet the beak with Monday night football between the Chiefs and Ravens. To finish up, we discuss how the coronavirus is affecting high school football in the state of Oklahoma and keeping it local. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? Oh, man, Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, September 28th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. And First Fidelity Bank has selected the winner, Teddy. Congrats to Kevin Caven. I I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Kevin. You are the winner of the Oklahoma Energy FC prize pack. Congratulations. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the scarves. Enjoy the jersey. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts couldn't be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Now, we're recording this on Sunday night, right in the middle of game six of the Eastern Conference Finals between the Heat and the Celtics, and also during Sunday night football between the Packers and the Saints. So if we just, like, yell or blurt out anything, sorry. A couple really good games going on, but... If I yell or blurt out anything, it's probably uh, my back. That, amazingly, I just threw out picking up a one-pound Surface Pro out of a uh, backpack. Okay. Unbelievable. Hold on. You're telling me, are are you playing hurt tonight? I'm, I'm playing hurt, and... Okay, are you injured, or are you hurt? Um, oh, wow. So it's that bad because it's going to, I've, I've hurt my lower back a couple of times. It's, this is going, this is going to be a, it's going to be an ordeal for me. <laughs> it's several, that bad? It'll, yeah, it's, I'll, I'll be on lockdown for a couple of days. Like, well, my I, whole, <laughs> my, my whole, like from the waist down is, will be, 
immobile, won't even be able to move. Now, there's nothing worse than hurting your back. Anyone out there that's had a back injury, like you're rendered useless. You can't do anything because anytime you move, it hurts. It's the worst thing to injure. Like it's awful. It's awful. I'm telling you, you, I I grabbed my Surface Pro to set it up onto the desk to do the show, and it put me to my knees in a string of F-bombs. I mean, that's how bad it was. (laughs) Dude, this just wasn't our weekend, huh? Now, now I'll say this. uh, I did turn 30 this weekend, and you're kind of making me feel young right now because that hasn't happened to me yet. So thanks, I guess. Maybe unbelievable. I'm so pissed off right now. You have I, no idea. I can tell you're angry. Let's. Uh, yeah. I'm I can't. Angry. I can't wait. Well, speaking of angry, let's get to the local college football, shall we? <laughs> and that's brought to you by Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer from Coop Aleworks. Guys, stop acting like you're too manly and just accept it. Hard seltzers are amazing, and there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer from Coop Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate, or by the pool when you're drinking your sorrows away after an OU loss. Just saying, it's made in Oklahoma, and it's absolutely delicious. Will and Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you, and go follow them on social media at at Will and Wiley. If you're drinking some because of us, tag us in your social media posts to let them know. Oklahoma, Kansas State. The collapse. Teddy, I amazing. I, I kind of just want to get your thoughts first because I mean OU goes up 35-14 when Seth McGowan scores with 246 to go in the third quarter. And then everything falls apart. I mean, just absolutely falls apart. It was unbelievable. Now, I do want to make it clear. If you're, if you're looking for a podcast for guys to scream and yell that everyone should be fired and that the world is ending, that is not what this is going to be. We are going to be measured and fair with our criticisms just like we are when we compliment you know, these guys that are playing college football, coaching college football. Like We're not going to say that they all deserve to lose their scholarships and their jobs. Like, just calm down. But I can't remember an OU team wilting like that in the fourth quarter. I, I just can't. It, it, it doesn't happen. I was shocked, man. Shocked. Yeah. I mean, up 35-14. Now, to be fair, it wasn't perfect up to that point, whenever it was 35-14, but – um, you felt like, okay, Kansas State may hang around and make this thing a game. In no way did I think that they would absolutely dominate the next, what, uh, 17 and 46 minutes of the football game on both, all three phases of the, of, of the, of the game. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. They were challenged, and when they were challenged, they didn't answer. Um, offensive line couldn't block K-State's defensive line. Oh, um, my God. We'll get we to couldn't, that. We couldn't cover. We couldn't pressure. Uh, yet again, 
whenever Oklahoma loses a game, there's a massive special teams gaffe in there. And Kansas State, of all people, we watched them block a, a punt last week against Arkansas State. And here we go. So, yeah, I mean, it's it was the most Kansas State game of all Kansas State games ever played. That is a tremendous way to describe it. Okay, uh, let's look. I, I want to talk about what stood out to us uh, from the offense and the defense, but let's talk about the collapse because, I mean, I mean, that's the big story of this football game. We mentioned it, 35-14, 2.46 to go in the third. Brian Mead has a huge bust and then gives up a huge play to the Mosey kid and then somehow compounds the mistake by breaking down when he gets to him, like the guy's going the other way. I, I, I've never seen anything like it in my life. Instead of just tackling him, he broke down. I, I don't know what happened. I don't know what he was thinking. One of the most bizarre plays I've seen in a while. And then Skylar Thompson drags multiple guys into the end zone on a bad calf, and it's 35-21. Okay, two-score game, whatever. Two plays later, McGowan fumbles. Deuce Vaughn catches a ball and breaks what seemed to be 700 tackles and scores. Uh, beat, er, and then Thompson scores, right? Beating a bunch of guys to the pylon. It's, now it's the early fourth quarter. It's 35-28. OU converts a huge third and 15. It felt like a big momentum play. The drive stalls. The snap seemed to be – that kind of seemed like an issue to me on the punt that got blocked. It looked like it pulled Munch out to the right when it was supposed to be a directional punt to the left. You can see the three guys in front of him all moving left. They were expecting him to be left. He was to the right. A.J. Parker takes it right off the foot. They run lead stretch to the weak side at Buki and Jalen or Jaden Davis, and there's no resistance, and Deuce Font scores on a 28-yard touchdown run. It is 35-35, and the dogfight is on. Blake Lynch hammers a 50-yard field goal that would have been good from 65. That that kid wanted every part of that kick. Yeah, that that was impressive. That was pretty impressive, and OU was never able to put a drive together. Rattler overthrows Stoops. Ball gets intercepted. Game over. Collapse complete. So in your head, like, it was almost like just everything went wrong. It is hard to lose a football game when you're up three touchdowns at the end of the third quarter. I mean, but they found a way to do it. Yeah, and, and all of them shared a part. That that usually you want to be able to point to like one unit, offense, defense, special teams, and be like, "It's on you." It was all of them. It was a all collective effort to give this football game away. Yep, it was. Um, you know, and it was one of those games where it had turned so bad that you know, if if there happened to be five quarters in that football game, we would have got destroyed because they were all over us in the backfield. We couldn't block them. And, you know, defensively, they just had our number. They, you know, I don't know if they wore our guys down or what. The confidence was gone. And 
Kansas State knew it, and they were loving every second of that football game. So um, it, it was just shocking. It really was. Now, when you go back and look at some of that stuff, you know, talking to the coaches, it wasn't Brian Mead on that play. I mean, they're actually in a really good call to to prevent – like they're, they're trying to get out of a situation where they have a linebacker on Vaughn. So they're in cover three, and as he turns – motions out there, he just lines up wide, and he turns into the flat player, and the corner's supposed to be the deep third, and they just have a two-man combination there. Um, he lets the vertical go. Now, that doesn't excuse going and making the tackle. Go make the play. So but, you're telling me that Brian Mead should not be receiving the slander he's been receiving. Yeah. It's, okay. It's, Good to it's know. On the corner, the corner is the deep third player over there, and he's just the flat player. So. Well, now you know, people. Be nice to Brian <laughs> Mead. It wasn't his fault. Um, I mean, and you go, you look at the punt block. I mean, you're right. The snap was snap was over. Um, I think was is it is Rame on that. On the punt team in the yep. wedge, and he's on the far right side. Yeah, yep. he's back and there he's, in the. He's in the wall. supposed to. He was. He was moved over too far. He's supposed to be like foot to foot, and he ends up behind one of the guys. Um, so I mean, it was just it's it's the entire team. Like you can't just point to one guy. Here's the thing, man. If you turn the ball over five times, and get a punt blocked, you can't beat anyone. You just can't. You know I. You're not going to beat anyone. Not even a bad – I shouldn't say bad. Not even a middle-of-the-road Big 12 Kansas State team who lost week one against Arkansas State. And so, who didn't have, what, eight guys from their two deep and who had a secondary put together. They had – with the way that they played their secondary, those guys had three practices together. The guys well, that they play. And I, the way McPherson played, I thought it was the Legion of Boom back oh there. Oh my god, that kid was fantastic. He, again, he we, were, we were talking about him all game. Yeah, that dude was flying downhill. Okay, so which is the other thing, man? Hey, give Kansas State some praise here. They blocked the punt. It was it was a great play on them. Uh, McPherson jars that ball loose. He puts his hat right on the right on the ball. Um, their their D line you know, got after it. There were some really nice moves that they put on and we couldn't block them. So, I mean, I hate to say it, and we should have guys that outplay them, but give Kansas State credit, man. They play always, good. You always got to give – you always got to give the team that wins the game some credit, right? But, all right, let's look at the offense. Uh, I thought I thought Rattler did some good things, right? Um, he did some high-level stuff, escaping the pocket, keeping his eyes downfield, delivering accurate throws. You saw it on the first touchdown to Marvin Mims, extending the play with his legs. You saw it on uh, – now it was kind of a risky throw, and Drake Stoops made a hell of a play, right? But similar mm-hmm. thing on that touchdown as well. I thought he really started feeling the pressure in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And, I mean, literally and figuratively. That was the first yeah. big moment for him. It was the first big moment. and. They didn't protect him well. I, I really can't stress how disappointed I am in the way this offensive line has played through their first two games. I mean, and I'm glad Creed Humphrey is okay. Thank God, or else we'd be in some ser- – OU would be in some serious trouble. It was just – he was cramping up. 
Anton Harrison had some freshman moments, there's no doubt. But, Teddy, the, the thing that worries me is K-State was not doing anything elaborate defensively. I mean, they were, they were playing 4-2 personnel. They pressured a little bit, but it wasn't – I mean, it was just OU's offensive linemen getting beat and taking turns getting beat. All of them taking turns. And that's what it's can, bad. That's if what you don't bad. know, like you, if, if it's Hubert's a weak link, yeah. If Hubert's whipping Ely or whatever, then you just start putting someone over their chip and figure out protection to give them help. But when it's everyone a different guy on every drive, then there's there's really no fix for it. And if you go back and look at it, and this is this is something that. When it happens, if you're part of an offensive line that this happens to, you are embarrassed. You're trying to put a drive together to go win the game after this thing has completely fallen apart, and they're sliding Creed Humphrey to Harrison's side, right? You know, trying to help the freshman out with a little wall or zone or whatever, the three-man slide for two guys. And then they're keeping the back end to help the right side. You're trying to go win the game. You can't have the back in the protection when you're trying to go win a game. That does not help you from a number standpoint. You need that player out in a route to give the quarterback more options, to give the defense another option they have to account for, and they were keeping the back in. And that's... I mean, when you go back and you watch that as an offensive lineman and you just have to be embarrassed. I mean, you, you just have to. I know I would be. So that was the thing is K-State didn't do anything crazy. It wasn't some elaborate scheme. They just got beat physically. Mm-hmm. And Hubert was tough. The Massey kid, I don't know how many times he's going to beat one of the guards with the spin move. It was <laughs> He just kept doing it. And credit to him, but, I mean, Spencer Rattler was feeling the heat in the pocket. And I think that led to him fleeing the pocket once again. Sometimes he didn't need to, but I can't really blame the kid, right? He's getting hit in the face. Like, I, I can't even blame him. Well, I mean, it's fast. Like, welcome to college football for 99% of quarterbacks out there, right? We, For the most part, we watch our quarterbacks stand in a perfect pocket and throw to the best athletes on the field over and over and over and over again. Whenever it's not perfect protection, things change and the evaluation changes, right? I mean, we look at a bunch of quarterbacks out there that are fleeing for their life on like 70% of their drop back throws. And we're like, oh, that quarterback's not any good. He only completed 60% of his passes and threw two picks. He's terrible. Well, you know, you take a really good quarterback and put him behind a shoddy offensive line where uh, people are bearing down on him. He's been uh, dropped about five or six times. Things all of a sudden change and everyone looks average under those circumstances. So, um, I mean, the last throw, the last throw was, was, I think you, you hit it perfect pressure both ways. It was pressure of the moment. Oh my God, we're down to Kansas state. We've got to, we got to go score on this drive and feeling the pressure from that defensive line and the offensive line getting beat all day. 
because he missed Drake Stoops by about eight feet. A lot. He missed him yeah. by a lot. And this all, for me, it all ties back into the running game, which is really the big problem mm-hmm. right now. That, that's the big issue. You look at Rattler, the interceptions, the batted ball, that happens, right? That happens. The other interception, he's throwing it into what was a pretty stiff wind. And I think that that ball kind of died in the air because of that win. And Mims just couldn't, you know, play defensive back well enough on that play. He did underthrown football. I don't know if he should have been going uh, there with it anyways with that deep safety over the top. But maybe Mims makes a play. Like, you're throwing it up. Okay. With that, that third one, you were just like, whoa. Uh, mm-hmm. Not a good throw. But the problem is the running game because – this offense, Lincoln Riley's offense, has been so successful because he builds play action off successful runs. And it makes it so difficult on defenses. But I don't think they're really scared of OU's running game right now. Now, we saw some successful play action. You know, them really getting – especially with how aggressive line, the linebackers and safety for K-State were being. Like, they were, mm-hmm. they were coming downhill, but – you run the ball 35 times, or that's the official, you know, attempts, and you only gain 130 yards on the ground. I mean, that's not nearly effective enough. It, it, it's not. And if, if they – Through two can, games, about 70-plus carries, we're averaging 3.6 a, a pop, which for a team that through the entire season last year was right at six yards a carry, it's just – it's bad teams like this were usually now we didn't run it good against Kansas State last year at all but you know that's it was a it, it we you know we talked about it a lot week one against Missouri State but you know we we assumed well they're going to get that corrected we'll get that back we'll get that straightened out but it's a problem now especially going against Iowa State if you have bad down at distances against Iowa State you got problems big problems so they they got to get that running game going. Uh, they got to get it going. And I think, you know, saw some good stuff from some of the wide receivers, right, making some competitive plays. But, yeah, it all offensively for me, it, it all stems, all the problems, the issues, you, you got to run it better. That will make your protection easier. You just – you have to run it more efficiently. Now, Teddy, I thought the defense – Played pretty well in the first half, right? They looked organized, you know, made some good plays. Kansas State really wasn't moving the ball at all. And then what happened? <laughs> I mean, really, yeah. what, if, in your opinion, what happened? Well, I mean, they played really good defense other than five or six plays. They really did. Um, Kansas State's going nowhere in the running game. They haven't really established anything downfield in the passing game. They had the one touchdown on man-to-man where Trey Brown got beat. He should have had better help from the safety in the middle of the field. But, I mean, they just happened into empty and hit on a big play and was like, huh, okay, well, let's keep trying some stuff out of empty. And I think our guys lost confidence and we started losing, you know, competitive plays and – we, we didn't get any more pressure on the quarterback. And Skyler Thompson was under duress the entire day and did a good job of getting rid of the football. But the, the pressure on the quarterback disappeared. 
Um, the coverage on the back end got shoddy, and we lost all confidence tackling, and it just devolved from there. I mean, I wish there was a – it's kind of like offensively. I wish – I mean, we all saw the plays. I wish I could tell you, you know, what exactly it was, what play it was, or what person it was, but it was a collective effort. Lack of rush, um, lack of, of competitiveness on a couple of plays, and the next thing you know, you know, the game's over. It's it's a shocking collapse, man. I I mean, I don't know. We've got to get we've we have to have a better pass rush. I thought Benito was going to be at this point against Missouri State and and Kansas State's offensive line. Let's be honest. Arkansas State beat that offensive line of Kansas State, the exact same five guys, beat them like a drum. And we didn't have hardly any success at all down the stretch. In the second half, our rush disappeared with with any consistency. Yeah, and I just don't – I don't understand it. And I was excited to see Perry on Winfrey play. I don't even know – did we uh, did we ever call his name in that entire football game? He made one play whenever he ran all the way over to the sideline and 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 uh, was in on something. But other than that, not a whole lot. Which you know they didn't have a whole lot of opportunities in the first half. They played so well, but then in the second half, you know, it was just these big chunk plays that had everyone reeling. You know. It's crazy. What they had two seventy-five yard pass plays that didn't score, <laughs> amazingly. So, just this big chunk plays, and I mean, I, I guess the only way to, to really say is we folded folded late. Whenever we knew, all right, here they come. It's going to be a big push late. Everyone's got to lock in. You got to beat your man. You got to win your one-on-one battles, both sides of the ball, and we couldn't. That's. That may be the most frustrating part is when it got tough, right? We all watched the same football game, right? Mm-hmm. When it got tough and a little uncomfortable, Kansas State's football team thrived and Oklahoma's did not. They did not respond well to that situation. And that's disappointing. And no one's more disappointed than the coaches and the players. Like, those guys feel awful. There's nothing worse than losing, especially on that field. But, man, I just it, – it was, it was staggering to see how much Kansas State and the energy on their sideline, how much they embraced what was going on in that fourth quarter. And clearly, I mean, they're, they're coming back in the game. But, yeah, a, I think OU was stunned, and they just they, – they never really got out of the funk. They didn't, and they just folded uh, what, whatever word you want to use. But, I mean, it, it looked like a front-running football team. That's what it looked like, right? Yep. I mean, it's, it's just you got to call it how you see it. Well, I mean, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing that you're right back out on the, on the road playing a football game. I mean – a bye week is at this point. Is that doing anything for us? Heck, I don't know. But um, here's the thing: your back's against the wall the rest of the way out. I mean, 
you can't drop one. You 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 put yourself behind the eight ball early and. You oh, just, I think the college football playoff, I, I think that's dead already. I, with how weird this year, I think it's dead. Well, it was almost like forget about it dead if Texas and Oklahoma oh, we'll, State lose those games. We'll I mean, get to dead. those. We'll get D-E-D those. dead. <laughs> okay, so we uh, put a tweet out and basically asked – our listeners for their what a bad week for that. Yeah. <laughs> their, their, you know, their boldest takeaway from OU's loss from K state. And we, uh, we're calling this call your shot. And that is brought to you by rock and roll tequila, rock and roll tequila is the ultra premium tequila that hits all the right notes. It's won all kinds of awards for its superior taste and smooth finish to find a store that has it visit rock and roll tequila.com or check out their Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. This stuff is good. If you don't want to take my word for it, maybe you'll listen to this guy. This is Coach Bob Stoops. When you're a college football coach, it's important to have an eye for talent. The same holds true when choosing your tequila. When I tried rock and roll, I liked it so much, I decided to become a partner in this Oklahoma-owned company. Crafted in the highlands of Jalisco, Mexico, the smooth taste of rock and roll's triple distilled platinum, our Añejo, called Cristalino, and the incredible premium quality mango tequila are awesome. Our defiantly unique guitar-shaped bottles make it easy to find, and you'll love the ultra-premium quality and taste. No excuses. Make rock and roll your game day tequila. Tastefully rebellious, start the party with rock and roll. And Teddy... Kurt Crawford on Twitter is calling his shot. At Kurt Crawford 5 says, four turnovers and a blocked punt and only lost by three. Really young team in the first time. Rattler played significant minutes since his junior year in high school. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We will be fine. I, I chose Kurtz because it was the exact opposite of how everyone else reacted. Uh, yeah. That's a – write that name down. We need to come back to him. Uh, Kurt if we have Crawford. Uh, Kurt, I love your optimism. I do, but when the big glaring issues are offensive line, which I'm still very surprised, very, very surprised, and defensive line, that's not where you want to have issues. I think Rattler's fine. He's only going to get better. I, I'm not worried about Spencer Rattler. But this team has problems at the line of scrimmage. They do. Well, yeah, which, by the way, it was five turnovers. Uh, they had the turnover on downs where they tried the quarterback sneak and our offensive line got totally stuffed. Which, by the way, did you think that was a – I mean – that's a gutsy call by Lincoln because McIver had just come in the game. I mean, we hardly ever go under center, and now it's your backup center, and you're going right behind him with a quarterback sneak. I, I understand where you're coming from, but you got to get six inches. Like, yeah. come on. No, hey, I, hey I'm with get you. Get the first down. Uh, I, I completely agree with the call there. Like, if you can't fall forward for that first down, come on. Uh, I mean, it, I, right? you don't deserve it. Exactly. You don't deserve it. But, Teddy, are you worried? Uh, do, do you think our man Kurt Crawford's being a little too optimistic? Or, I it, mean, it's, not as, it's never as bad as it, it seems. But 
Kansas State, when, when you look at OU's schedule, I mean, how many teams is OU going to play that's more, that are more talented than Kansas State? All of them except for Six? Kansas? Yeah, I mean, I mean so yeah, if Kansas I, State can do that. Whew. Now, all, most of the teams in the conference are more talented than Kansas State, but they don't get out of their players what Kansas State gets out of theirs. That's true. But, I mean – I mean, there are some – you can understand a loss when the foundation of your football team is sound and not get, not get too bent out of shape about it, right? If, right. If, if there was a couple of things that just never happened, happened, and they had one of those weird games, okay, but we got a foundational issue with our offensive line. And we did not think it was going to happen. But through uh, two games, it has been well below what we're used to with Oklahoma's offensive line. We've talked about this before, and I, I think this is the case. They're too heavy up front. I, I mean, you got guys bordering 350, you know, both yeah, guards. I, mean, I would like, say and they're that, getting but Bill's always speed. got them that, that big. I, I know, but, I mean, these guys, especially the interior, like, Hayes and Robinson are not moving well. They're not. You go watch the film, like, they're, they're getting beat with a lot of, I mean, sudden change of direction. Like, I wonder if they're just and – I, and I know the conditioning and all that stuff's weird because, you know, some guys have been in, some guys have been out, the, all the coronavirus stuff. Like, I understand, but – Man, there were points in that game, and it did get hot during that game, mm-hmm. where those guys, I mean, it looked like they were just cooked. So, uh, I mean, I don't yeah. know, man. I mean, here's the thing. Can I say that uh, conditioning cost us that game? No, but I can say it was a factor. Can I say that physicality and tough, toughness cost us that game? No, but I can say it was a factor. I mean, you just put those in a long list of negatives, and at the end of the day, you've got a big snowball on your hands. Um, you know, Kansas State was more physical than us. I mean, they were. You know, they, they, were, they were bringing the heat out there. There were some big hits. Rattler took some big shots. McPherson all of a sudden turned into a sledgehammer out there and was pounding people. Gosh, he was the best player on the field. It was crazy. Yeah, he had, he had awesome. an unbelievable game. So – yeah, I mean, I, all of those things are negative marks. We got big offensive linemen that, you know, for the, for the most part, it's worked really well for us. But if they're out of shape and they're not calloused and, you know, physically ready for a season right now, you know, it, it's harder for those guys to get in shape than anyone. Yeah. That's no, just a lot of problems that you got to fix very quickly. Because you're going to Ames, Iowa, and I Iowa still, State's more talented than Kansas State. They got better players. <laughs> they got a better quarterback. They got a better defensive scheme that gives OU more problems. So, whew. Well, here's what I can't reconcile. The way our offensive line has looked in the first two weeks, first two games, and the way Coach Biedenball was talking about him during training camp. I'm with you. I think that's why I'm so disappointed because he's never 
He never shows that amount of excitement about an O-line. Like, so the only thing I can think of is that that offensive line dominated our defensive line so much that he thought they were going to be fantastic, which if that's which, the case, then we've got two really big problems. <laughs> which makes you very concerned about the defensive line. Oh, no, Teddy. Oh, no. That's not going to make anybody feel better. <laughs> I mean, which – but by the way, that is like something worth talking about that our defensive line is missing by far their best player. And yes, agreed. That, There's no doubt. They are missing Ronnie Perkins big time out there and the pressure that he can bring off the edge. They have no difference maker in the front seven right now. Now, I I think we've seen some good things from Osamoa, seen some good things from Deshaun White. I mean, even Perrion Mudfrey, he's had a flash here, a flash there. But you talk about the outside linebacker, defensive end, the edge players. I I mean – Maybe I'm just not remembering it, but I can't think of a splash play. Mm-hmm. Like where you go, that was a difference-making play in this football game. I, I really can't think of one. And right. Those edge players, those are supposed to be your freakiest, most talented, best athletes. And right now, that guy isn't playing for Oklahoma. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's still suspended for, what, two, maybe three more? I don't think we've even – Found out, I, I assume know. three more. I assume it's the worst. I'm assuming it's the right. full, full six. So, yeah, you count the Peach Bowl, these first two, so it would be three more. Ooh, they need him badly. Okay, while OU collapsed in a very just painful fashion against Kansas State, Oklahoma State got it done in Stillwater against West Virginia. We knew they weren't losing in those uniforms, but it was a hard-fought, ugly win for Oklahoma State. Uh, Not the typical Oklahoma State way of winning football games. One with a strong running game. They won with solid defense, kind of the bend-but-don't-break mentality. And they won with a good kicking game. Mm -hmm. I mean, good punting and good field goal kicking. Both Chuba and L.D. Brown. Go for over 100 yards. Uh, they scored a defensive touchdown. It was a nice strip by Trace Ford. And Tyron Irby had, had just enough juice to g- return that for a touchdown. Just enough speed there. But when you look at no Spencer Sanders, they go with Illingworth, which I think that was the only choice they have. Other than he had one really nice cover two hole shot throw to Tylen Wallace. But other than that, he was – very vanilla, didn't mm-hmm. take any risks, really. You know, he had the interception, which was not a great decision, but uh, he didn't do anything special. This is, this is a new style of winning for Oklahoma State. Uh, I mean, defense, special teams, and kind of a game manager at quarterback and run it on the ground. And I thought their offensive line, yeah, I got to give those guys credit. They shuffled it up, and – they played at a much higher level. They played good, and that's a good defensive line from West Virginia. Yep, they did well. I mean, what, it was 20-13 to 13 for most of the fourth quarter. They scored that insurance touchdown late. And, um, you know, there was a couple of different times where if West Virginia makes one or two plays, uh, they're going to be right there in that thing, have a chance to, to score, or maybe even go ahead if, if they wanted to do something crazy on the road. But, um, 
you got to give Oklahoma State some credit, you know, missing uh, their quarter. Dude, it's hard to go out there without a quarterback in, in Big 12 play and expect to win a football game. And they did it. You know, they, they had a defensive touchdown, which saved their tail on that strip sack and then the, the scoop and score, which was really nice. If they don't have that, I mean, we're talking about a different football game. And the, the good thing for them is they were never behind. And they were able to lean on that running game and, and let their defense play. Uh, it would have been a completely different ball game if they're trying to come from behind on West Virginia. So give them credit. I thought I thought Oklahoma State. You know, I was worried about that game whenever um, we, that we line talked about came it a lot. It's yeah, like, Ooh, I don't know, and, and the, they got it done. That was a close football game, and West Virginia, they did not do themselves any favors with all of those mistakes. What, the holder dropped the ball, so they didn't even get a field goal off at one point. They had a ton of penalties. They actually outgained Oklahoma State, but just couldn't score. And it, you got to give Oklahoma State's defense credit, right? Five sacks, 11 TFLs, I think it was nine QB hurries. And then that defensive touchdown, they're they're playing at a higher level than Oklahoma's defense. I mean, right yeah. now, the and especially the they've got some guys on the D line that are affecting the game in a big way. I I do want to ask you one question because you 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 watch the game as a defensive guy. I watch the game as an offensive guy. That 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 makes sense with the positions we played. Am I crazy? to think that L.D. Brown is better than Chuba Hubbard? Because when I watch – through these two games, and I know it's been a different kind of offseason for Chuba. Now, he did have that touchdown run to Sela, and he looked good doing it. It looked fast. But L.D. Brown's at least as good as Chuba Hubbard with these two games that I've watched. I mean, you saw the 66-yard touchdown the first time yeah. he touched it in this one. I mean, that dude is running hard – and with purpose, and he hit the cabbage patch to honor Thurman Thomas, and that was awesome. But I know he got banged up late. I hope he's, uh, I hope he's okay. I haven't heard anything, uh, you know, bad at least about his health. So I hope he's good. But dude, that guy's legit. I mean, he's yeah. legit. I, I think he's gonna, he's catching NFL scouts' eyes for sure. Well, I mean, I'll just tell you as a defensive guy. Um, there, there's a couple of different kinds of backs. There's bruisers, there's speed guys, there's shifty guys, there's guys that can kind of do everything, and then there's guys that are buzzsaws that just run incredibly hard. Those are the guys you don't want to play. You don't want to play the buzzsaws. Marshawn Lynch is like the greatest buzzsaw probably ever and I watched him practice one time I was on the team with him in Buffalo whenever he was with the Bills and I saw him take one pra one handoff in practice I was like thank God I'm not tackling that guy that's and he kind of has a buzzsaw type of feel to him and fast guys are you know you just don't want to get them in the open field and let them go they can break one on you but as a defensive guy I don't worry about the fast guys too much. I don't worry about the shifty guys too much. I worry about the buzzsaw guy. L.D. Brown, buzzsaw guy. Buzzsaw. Also, it was really confusing. There was L.D. Brown and then Letty Brown in that game, and I think everyone was like, oh, my gosh, what's happening? <laughs> but 
Uh, one thing, AP poll came out, and, you know, it only means so much, but OU drops from three to 18, and then Ooh. OSU, uh, they weren't overly impressive against West Virginia. They dropped to 17. So look at OU and OSU hanging out there. You got the Cowboys at 17, the Sooners at 18. So. This isn't your typical 17 or 18 either without the other Power 5 football teams in there yet. Yeah, we'll see. All right, Ted, let's move on to the National College Football Roundup, and that's brought to you by Insurica. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information for many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be the best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. All right, there were some... Some pretty legit finishes in college football this weekend, and there was nothing better than Texas, Texas Tech. Somehow, Texas escapes Lubbock with a win, even though they were trailing by 15 points with three minutes to go in the game. Alan Bowman threw the horns down, and of course, things got weird from there. I uh, thought it was over when Sir Roderick Thompson went 75 yards, just bouncing off guys for a touchdown. But you got to give Ellinger some credit. Uh, I mean, you just have to because he throws a nice touchdown to Brendan Eagles. They recover the onside kick, and then he throws another nice ball down the seam to Joshua Moore for the for the touchdown. And then they convert the two point conversion on. A nice route from Brendan Eagles. I mean, just embarrass that dude from Tech. But he hasn't. Ellinger's got another nice throw off some play action to Moore in overtime, and then Tech turns it over and ball game. So Texas somehow wins sixty three fifty six in overtime. This was about as Big 12 as a game could be. It, it felt like a throwback Big 12 game, Teddy. It's unbelievable. And I'm just looking back at the, 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 the scoring summary right now to try and remember what all exactly happened, as crazy as that game was. What's funny is, you know, right before halftime, Texas led 31-21, and you felt like they had a pretty good handle on this thing. And from that point on, uh, until until that last touchdown, the touchdown to Brennan Eagles, Tech outscores them 35-10 to 10 over that stretch. And they're up 50 Tech's got some receivers now. Yeah, I mean, Bowman do. was sling- – I mean, Vasher, the Ezukama kid, but the Keyshawn Carter kid is the one that uh, – he's been running away from some people. So this thing turned into a track meet, and it was awesome. And the, the Sir Roderick Thompson, that's the kid from Bama, right? 
he, he's the, the kid that got arrested for street racing on Monday and still played, and he likes to go fast. That's how you're supposed to do it. So, um, I mean, just, just an amazing game. It really was. And I, am I happy that Texas won that game, Gabe? I don't know. I, that's kind of how I saw it. Like, I was watching it, and I was like, I, because it's always, it's, for me, it's always more fun for OU to beat Texas when Texas is a good football team. Like, that's, that's when I feel best about an Oklahoma victory over Texas, where it's like, yes, beat them. But, yeah, I, I was very conflicted. I was like, I think it's best for the Big 12 if Texas wins this, and I think that means it's best for Oklahoma if Texas wins this because, I mean, we already say, saw Texas Tech almost lose to Houston Baptist, but, yeah, I was very conflicted. I was very conflicted, but then I was – in awe in that last three minutes of regulation when it just everything went Texas's way. I was like, Oh my gosh, what is happening? Uh, it's so funny. I'm looking at this thing and I'm at the, on ESPN, the win probability deal. And uh, Texas has a 93% chance to win the game. Uh, whenever there's two fifty left in the third quarter. And then Tech goes on that rip, and they've got a 99.8% chance to win the game with three minutes left in the fourth quarter. Like, and then they obviously they lose it. But the, that's crazy to have swings that dramatic in a game, and it, both of them be, be wrong three times on it. So that's just I fascinating. Was, I, I, I enjoyed the hell out of that fourth quarter. That fourth quarter was wild, but hey, at the end of the day, Tom Herman, the Texas Longhorns, they go on the road in Lubbock and they get a win. It was uh, a little unconventional, but uh, they get a win. Now, uh, another game that, you know, had everybody talking and I will give us some credit. We said this was the game we were most excited to watch you know, when it came to this entire college football weekend. And Mississippi State and Mike Leach go to Death Valley and beat LSU 44-34. K.J. Costello had 623 yards passing, five touchdowns. Now, he did have a few uh, interceptions, I think including that pick six, uh, fumbled a couple times. Like, it wasn't perfect for our man Costello but he was spinning at Bo Pelini's defense, looked lost against Mike Leach in that air raid. I was really surprised at the level of execution for Mississippi State because of what the offseason was like and how the air raid, you know, it, it's all about getting reps, reps, mm-hmm. and just getting so good at those, you know, few concepts. But LSU was getting toasted when they were playing man-to-man, and they gave up huge chunk plays for touchdowns. Now, it didn't help that Derek Stingley Jr. did not play, and that story's weird, right? Like, mysterious illness where he ends up in the hospital? Like, what? And they said it wasn't corona, so I hope the guy's okay. That guy's an unbelievable football player. But we were so curious to see what Mike Leach in this air raid would look like and 
I wondered how he was going to use Kylan Hill, right? His best player. Now he didn't hand it to him much, Ted. Didn't run the guy much, but okay, what's he do? He just turns him into like the biggest pass-catching weapon that we've ever seen as a running back. I mean, he was just dominant out of the backfield as a receiver. And uh, the Miles Brennan kid for LSU, he was okay. I mean, he played fine, but he was under a lot of pressure throughout that football game. Got sacked a lot, but boy, what a start to Mike Leach's SEC tenure. Holy shit. I, I mean, I'll tell you what I love is, and, and we talked about this, but we've never seen Mike Leach in that air raid with the athletes that he's got at Mississippi State. The recruiting that they've had at Mississippi State is so much better than he's ever had at Tech or Washington State. It's not even close. Mississippi State's got some dudes. They're known for playing some really good defense lately. Um, as you know, we both agree that they've got one of the best uh, running backs in the entire country on their roster. They're athletic as you know, you know what at wide receiver. They've just got some dudes out there that he's never had before. And rarely have, have they ever had the ability when someone goes man-to-man on them to just say, man-to-man, okay, well, here we go, baby, cover this and just start ripping go balls down the field let guys go up and make plays. He's just – he's never had that many. He's had one or two good receivers on a team. Some of them are kind of nifty guys that understand the zone coverage, where to sit down and make plays. Uh, you know, Crabtree, there's been a handful of athletic guys that can go win one-on-one balls. But, I mean, he's, he's got a ton of dudes on this roster that he can play with and, and uh, get involved and let them go do some big things. Let's hope things just get real weird there in the SEC. It was, it was fun I mean, watching them just – they were throwing it around, man. I was like, oh, my gosh, they're actually just going to do it this way. I, I thought maybe they would hand it to Kylan Hill, you know, like 15, 20 times, something, you know, maybe well, that's change it up. Like, and nope. hey, hey, Kylan, you want me to hand it to you in the backfield and you got to try and beat eight defensive players or do you want me to give it to you in space and you got to beat one? Hey, run this angle route one-on-one with this linebacker. How about that? Right. I, mean, I mean, it was it was fun to watch, man. It was. And it, they're going to get better too, man. I mean, just well, one they're they're one weekend in a weird year. And Mississippi State, right? They've been they've been recruiting at a at a pretty high level. I mean, they they like you said, they got dudes, but you don't think some of these receivers around the country are watching that first game going how many passes will I catch if I go there? Well, I, I mean, mean, and here's the other part of it, too. I mean, and you know this, Gabe, like, with Leach, he's a character. And half the things that you, he says, you just roll your eyes and like, oh, my God, whatever, dude. But, and he's sitting here telling all these guys, like, oh, yeah, it'll be fine in the game. They won't be able to cover you. And you're like, it's a stop route. They're going to be all, I'm going to get drilled square in the back. And your quarterback goes out and throws for 623. You've got, what, one, two, three wide receivers over 100 yards receiving. I mean, breaking records left and right. You know it, Gabe. There's guys on that team are, are at this point, they just beat LSU going, I got you. Whatever you're telling me to do, I'm in. Hey, you're crazy as fuck. 
but we just went to Death Valley and beat LSU. So I'm going to listen to every word you say now because there's something to them, this. Beat their ass. Yeah. They just, they spotted them a touchdown. I mean, it was unbelievable. And I know LSU's, it's not the team. It's, uh, they're, they're the defending national champions. But I think we all knew that they weren't even going to be close to the team they were. But for Mississippi State, first game of the year to go there and went like, that's a big deal, man. That's a big deal. Now, Arkansas gave us some hope. And I, I'm not going to lie, Ted. There was about 10, maybe 15 minutes on Saturday where I turned into a big Arkansas Razorbacks <laughs> fan because I was like, hey, if Georgia loses to Arkansas, people will talk about OU blowing that lead against K-State a lot less. So I – I was cheer. I I was openly cheering for Arkansas football, and then as Georgia came back, they figured things out. Um, they ended up winning thirty-seven to ten. Now Georgia, they might have a little QB problem unless JT yeah. Daniels is back soon. Because I mean, Dewan Mathis, what what does that do to that kid's confidence? That's that's to be determined. But yeah, I can't believe I was cheering for Arkansas. What the hell was I doing? Why why would I think? Uh, what was I doing? I don't know. I saw the score at halftime, and I thought that they were playing a soccer game or something whenever it was 7-5. <laughs> to five. I was like, that's a weird score, but, you know, hey. Yeah, that, I mean, it was, it was wishful thinking. We knew that, that Georgia would just outman them, outmuscle them down the stretch, and they finally got going and just owned them in the second half. But you're right. I mean, it's one thing to beat Arkansas. It's going to be a completely different story because I'm trying to think. They have, they definitely have, they have Alabama and Florida, don't they? Oh, Georgia. Yeah, I mean, that SEC schedule for everyone. Yeah, they've got Auburn, Tennessee, Alabama, Kentucky, Florida, uh, Mississippi State. Yeah, they've got. That's their their next five games are Auburn, Tennessee, Alabama, Kentucky, Florida. Yikes. They better figure out Brutal. the quarterback situation. Uh, a couple other games. Let's touch on them quickly. Miami destroyed Florida State 52-10. to 10, And Teddy Miami just might be legit. I, uh, I'll tell you, well, you know. Florida State's also bad. But Miami just might be legit. And it's fun to watch. I mean, that's kind of the thing. It's like right now – with how things have been staggered to start off, it's been so weird. It's like we're reaching for a team right now. Everyone wants to kind of uh, latch on to something. And I think it's De'Eric King. I mean, he, he put up another really nice performance, uh, you know, had several big runs, ended up with uh, two touchdown passes. And Miami's kind of fun right now. And I think everyone wants something fun. And I think everyone – you know, outside of your big traditional fan bases, I, you know, there's a lot of Miami haters out there. There's a lot of Miami haters around here. But I, I think teams are ready for, like, someone new to burst onto the scene. So I, I think some people are excited about watching Miami right now. And it's, it's a tough time for the Miami haters because not only did Miami beat the hell out of Florida State, but the Miami Heat just won game six and they will be headed to the NBA Finals to take on the L.A. Lakers, and I think the Heat are going to win. I really? Like I, like I like them. I like them. I like them. 
I think they had the better coach. I'm a big Eric Spolstra guy. So uh, tough time for the Miami Heat. You don't like uh, the Lakers coach, LeBron James? You don't like him? No, LeBron's good. He's good. Player coach, what he's doing, pretty impressive. But (laughs) I I am actually really excited for the NBA Finals. But uh, a couple other college football games. Ole Miss looked solid, you know, Mm -hmm. in Lane Kiffin's debut. But Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts were too much for them. And Florida got the road win, 51-35. Kentucky and Auburn. Played a really competitive physical game. There was some hitting in that football game, but Bo Nix played really well in the fourth quarter, and the Auburn Tigers pulled away and won 29-13. And then Texas A&M was really, really, really sloppy <laughs> and only beat Vandy 17-12. to I don't even know if Vanderbilt – like, I thought their entire team opted out, Like, I, but – it was an ugly football game. I was watching parts of it. I was just like, oh, oh. But altogether, even with the OU collapse, a solid weekend that felt it felt more complete, right? It was a solid weekend of college football. It was. We got to see more of the big boys out there. Uh, we're not picking apart random games with nobody's in there we get to we see. didn't break uh, you're not going to hear me talk about louisiana anymore guys i'm <laughs> sorry i'm i i like the lewis kid at quarterback i do but I, i'm not going to be working any louisiana updates into this podcast anytime soon i don't think so yeah it's nice to talk about the sec and you know the big 12 it it feels like college football back and we knew the Big Ten was coming back, and of course, their little brother that does everything that they do, the Pac-12, officially announces they're coming back. A seven-game schedule starting November 6th. They're going to go five divisional games, one cross-divisional game, and then they're going to do the same thing the Big Ten is doing with the conference championship game and the corresponding seeds from the North and South playing each other on championship weekend. Once again... There is no flexibility. I do not understand. But at least they're giving it a go. It feels like it's built to fail. We already see what Colorado can't do anything for two weeks already. So we'll see how it works. But I don't know what they're going to do when games inevitably get canceled or postponed. And I know that they're doing the, you know, testing every day. I understand that. But it just, I, I don't like what the Big Ten and the Pac-12, I, I just don't like the schedule. I don't like how it's structured. I, I just can't imagine there's not going to be problems with these. It, it, that, that would truly be amazing to me if they're able, if both of these conferences are able to go eight straight weeks or seven straight weeks, play every single game, not have a single one canceled. That would be, that'd be remarkable. It'd be impressive, don't get me wrong, and I hope that happens, but – just seems unlikely, Ted. Do you want to hear something shocking? Because there's playing a seven-game schedule, and they don't start till November 6th. That's a long time from now. Correct. Here's the shocking thing. That we, won't play an op- we don't play another home game until then. Oh, gross. It's, That's today gross. Today is what? September what? And we don't come back until... Well, we lost November on September 7th. 26th because it was my birthday. Thanks, K-State. Not cool, guys. 
supposed to be a joyous drinking day. Instead, it was a sorrowful drinking day. But here's the other thing, too, about the Pac-12. You know, 21 days, if you get hit, if you get hit with a positive, they're, they're doing that, too, right? I would assume. I mean, it's what the Big Ten did. So right. I, I, I didn't see that, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if they did it as well because they're smarter than us, remember? They're, they're all smarter than us. Right, and here's the big thing is, and we've heard Lincoln talk about this, but the contact tracing situation, that's not up to like the team doctors or your position coach or even your university. It's up to the state medical office. That's who does the contact tracing, and you have to follow your state guidelines on contact tracing. So, like, obviously for us, you know, it's, what, 14 days for a contact trace. California, I think they shoot you to Mars and you <laughs> orbit Mars for uh, like 10 solar cycles before you're able to come back. So I don't know how in the world they're going to navigate that situation. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if they do what the SEC is doing right, using that little device to kind of help with the contact tracing. We'll see if – I'm hoping that at some point you get to uh, – there becomes some sort of protocol where you can test out of the contact tracing. That seems like the most common sense way. Well, if you've had a positive, I mean, that's the best way to do it. I mean, you're good once you've had a positive and we've got to be getting close to that. And here's the thing, like they've got a long time. And I wonder if like the big 10 and the PAC 12 have gone through their spikes, like everyone else has with the students coming back. Yeah. If they have, and they're over that, then maybe they got a shot of making their way through it. But if not, it's going to be tough. Best of luck. Best of luck out to our friends in Pac-12 country. Best of luck. All right, Ted, let's move on to our segments, and let's start with our winners and losers of the weekend. And Teddy's winners and losers are brought to you by Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. They're licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers to get on the path to losing weight. Call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. All right, Ted, who do you have as your loser? Oh, let's start with winner. Let's be positive, Gabe. Come on. I, I know we talked winner about the weekend. This. Yeah, I know we talked about this, but it for me, it without a doubt has to be Mike Leach. Absolutely has to be Mike Leach. In in my opinion, he is the most fun guy in the entire sport to watch. Um, he he's always the underdog team, and I know that there there's times he's got really good teams, and they're not like actually the betting underdog in a game, but they're like any time one of his teams goes on a run and wins five, six, seven games in a row, it's like, dude, how awesome would it be if they made the playoff or they made the SEC championship? And the fact that he's finally, this is by far the best roster he's ever had, and it ain't even close. It's just so fun. He, you know, he went into hiding now way back in the spring, early spring, before any of this virus stuff before any of the, the social issues that were going on, 
he put out a tweet that some of his players didn't like too much. Someone transferred away. He went completely radio silent and hasn't been around at all through like maybe the most leech uh, prone time ever to be beating up the Twitter. And he just emerged. A lot of people probably said, oh, I forgot that he went to Mississippi State. And he goes and beats the defending national champion. I, I just – I don't know that there's a better winner out there than that. Yeah. Pretty damn impressive. And when you look at their schedule, I mean, they've got Arkansas and Kentucky in their next two. And then they get A&M and Alabama back-to-back. So I am – I'm really interested to see what Mississippi State is looking like through five games. Like, because they, that, that could, I, I don't think that was like some one off performance from KJ Costello. Here's I, the thing they can beat some good teams. They can. And here's what I think is interesting about that game. Like, I don't know who the defensive coordinator is at AM, but, Bo Pelini at LSU has defended Leach for years. Did it whenever he was at Oklahoma. Did it whenever he was at Nebraska. He knows Mike Leach. He knows his system. He had an entire offseason to prepare for it. It's not like they all of a sudden Mike Leach showed up and was like, oh, you're defending the air raid today. Bet you didn't know that was coming. No, they've been preparing for this, and they still got ripped for 623. So there's a and, lot of guys in that conference that don't know a whole lot about what's, what's about to hit them. And, and last time I checked, LSU, even though they lost all those starters from the national championship team, they still got some pretty good players. They got some dudes. They've, dude, they're known for having some of the best corners year in, year out. And I know Stingley didn't play, but I promise you the guys backing him up are five-star corners. Yeah. All right, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Well, it's hard not to pick uh, bums that have to drive to Ames, Iowa to uh, a football game, isn't it? I can't believe we have to drive to Ames, Iowa. (laughs) I'm not a road trip guy. I'm not a road trip guy, but okay. Can we just fly? I don't know. How how hard is it to get to Ames on a commercial airline you, well you got to go to des moines and then it's like a 45 minute drive from des moines which isn't bad but i already looked at flights and, and? there's there's not a whole lot of really good options honestly one of them had like a 27 hour layover somewhere <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> oh god that drive is gonna suck okay well, but who do you, is that your loser of the weekend or you got someone no. else other than us my loser is actually a painful loser, man, Uh-oh. and I hate it. I hate it. Campus Corner, man. We had week one was a a weird kick where a lot of people didn't know like what kind of what the protocol was going to be, and it's just no one really showed up. And then the next game is an eleven a.m. kick. We had you know, the mayor and everyone city council talking about stricter guidelines and it's 11 a.m. and just it's ghost town. And now they don't have another game until November, November 7th. Ooh. And 
Campus Corner is, I mean, it's the lifeblood of Norman, man. It's uh, the amount of, of money that goes through there on game days. What we have, eight a year, eight weekends a year is what's able to keep those doors open and make those businesses profitable for those people. And, man, I just, I don't know. I feel for them. It is, uh, it's an incredibly difficult situation, and, I just hope they can hang on until things get normal again. And I don't know when that's going to be, but uh, I hope, I hope everyone there can hang on. It's been, it's been incredibly difficult and the schedule is brutal for them. And people don't exactly like going or no, that's not true, but watching a collapse like that doesn't help (laughs) either. (laughs) But people in in a rather depressed mood. Yeah, well, yeah, I and mean, maybe it's a good thing we don't have a home game for, uh, you know, until November 7th. We need to get uh, put together a winning streak, get people excited to come back down there. Good point. Great point. Uh, all right, Ted, my winners and losers are brought to you by Sound Advice. A lot of us are watching our favorite football teams from home this year, which is why you need to get ready for game day with a home theater system from our friends at Sound Advice. Sound Advice can customize your home entertainment system indoors or outdoors. Sound device to the Wi-Fi network and all the audio visual in my new house, and it is awesome. They hide all the wires and the cable boxes, so it looks great, and I can control every TV in my house from my phone, my iPad, and my internet has been flawless. For the best home theater systems in the Oklahoma City area, call Sound Advice at 405-549-3880 or visit soundadviceokc.com. All right, my winner of the weekend it, it was going to be Dak Prescott because I could have sworn he made that amazing play. Last play of the game. He stays up. He avoids the sack. He gathers. He's looking down the field. He chunks it. The camera pans. I'm like, it's going to be to a wide open guy standing in the end zone. Scramble drill. Touchdown Cowboys. They win the game. Dead wrong. There's a thousand people there. He throws it right to a Seahawks defensive back. I was like, I thought that was going to go different in my head. So I, I couldn't make him my winner, even though I can't be the only person that thought that that like, there, oh, I did. I, I thought it was going to be a wide open guy. Well, I, I'm not getting into any fantasy stuff, but there's a lot of crap that happened in that game that is, is going to cost me. And Oh no. I'm all sorry. I can say to Dak Prescott is ball. Don't lie. Okay. Whenever you hit the dude in the chest, with the ball on the previous drive and Michael Gallup grabbed it out of the air and went for like 20 yards, okay, you got what's coming to you on the last play of the game. I got you. Well, okay, Dak is – I want to make it clear. He's not my winner of the weekend. Uh, I also thought about making it the Cleveland Browns. I read that they have a record over 500 for the first time in six years. Wow. But they're only two and one, so okay. But my winner of the weekend, undoubtedly, Nick Foles. Now, that guy, from what I've been told by guys that have shared a locker room with him and shared the shower with him, that guy is a winner every day of the week. (laughs) But Matt Nagy, he he benches Trubisky. He calls on Nick Foles. And I think some people were surprised, right? Bears are 2-0, but they're down 16 points there in the third quarter. And... He goes to Foles, and he did not disappoint. He throws three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. All the different guys uh, should have had another one, but 
Denard made a really good play where he took it out of Allen Robinson's hands in the end zone. Really nice play. But the Bears moved to 3-0. and And when you do something like that, Ted, you know how this business goes. Like, Foles is your guy. You're riding with Foles now. So, I, I don't know if there's a bigger winner of this weekend than Nick Foles. I mean, he literally was brought there to beat Trubisky out. Trubisky won the job somehow in training camp. And then Nagy's sitting there in the third quarter going, let's get a spark. Let's put the guy with the huge hog in. Let's go. Here we go. And he just – I mean, he was spinning. He should have had another touchdown. Should have been four touchdowns. He was fantastic, and he's got to be that whole team a spark. He's got to be the greatest quarterback ever for a non-opening day starter. Because what when he was with the Eagles, didn't he throw like twenty-seven touchdowns and two interceptions that year? Oh, when the, the Super Bowl year, he was unbelievable. Like it was ridiculous. I mean, it just. Some of the stuff that, that he's done has just been crazy. So, yeah, I mean, hey, winter, winter all day, baby. I, hey, if, if you're going to come in and rip the ball around with confidence, the uh, team's going to rally behind you. And who knows if they got to spark off hits because their defense has been playing really good. So, yeah, I like it. I- I'm still shocked. I'm shocked you didn't go with the Patriots. I always think you're going to do the Patriots. You're winner of the weekend. Yeah, I'm telling boy you, Cam. dude. I'm telling you, they're going to win the Super Bowl. Just telling you right now. They look great. They look, they look fantastic. fantastic. I mean, the Raiders. They're going to win that division. I know Buffalo won. That was a nice win for Buffalo uh, this, against Buffalo's the Rams. Pretty they're pretty good, but it's the Patriots. I mean, <laughs> they I'm, own I'm that division. You. They just – the Raiders just, uh, you know, handled New Orleans and they go out to Foxborough and get donkey punched. I mean, it was, it was a kicking. <laughs> Bad. Up and down the field. I, the, the final score does no justice to that game. Right. Uh, so, my loser of the weekend, uh, I, I had some NFL options, like you mentioned. That was not a good performance for the Raiders. That game was not as close as that score. But also, how about the Giants? I mean, the 49ers are literally the walking wounded. Who was – I don't even know the guy's name. Mullins playing quarterback? Who is that? And lit their ass up. They – I mean, they beat the absolute hell out of them. 36 to 9. I mean, the Giants should be embarrassed. And I know they lost Saquon. Like, I get it. But – the 49ers are talking about how they're scared to play on that field because everyone, it's, it's tearing everyone's ankles and knees and Achilles up, but they just come and just stomp the Giants right. at MetLife. I'll give you another loser. Did you watch any of the Jets game? The Jets are awful. The loser is Sam Darnold having to play behind that offensive line. Oh, the Beckton kid is good, but the rest well. of them, whew. He can't even get – he barely has the ball in his hands before he's getting absolutely drilled. Poor guy yeah. threw like 10 interceptions today. Yeah, Indianapolis with a thorough ass-beating of the Jets. But my loser of the weekend, it's got to be J.J. Watt. And because, okay, not only the, the Texans blow a lead against the Steelers. This was a really good football game. I watched pretty much every snap of this one. It was It was competitive. It was fun, but – the Steelers come back. They win 28-21. The Texans fall to 0-3. Ouch. But the worst part for J.J. Watt, he lost to his two younger brothers. 
he is going to get constant shit from his bo- both of his brothers. And Derek got banged up. I think it was a hammy, maybe. But you've got Shocking, your two brothers. Yeah, you've got your two brothers on the other team. You think you're going to win the game. You end up losing the game. And it sucks enough, right? You lose, you move to 0-3. But now you just have to hear your brothers. Uh, you know the group text. Just every once in a while, maybe once a week, they'll just remind him. Hey, remember when you lost to us? They're just going to constantly give him shit. And there's nothing worse than when your brothers have something on you. I know I've got two brothers. And... <sighs> If if they're they'll just work those jabs in, it's gonna be it's gonna be a rough year for I, JJ. I can imagine it's something like, "Hey man, sorry about the game. You guys will be you guys will be all right." But hey, I will give you guys tickets to the uh, to our first playoff game since you guys will be at home. <laughs> so you want to you want to make the trip for the playoff game <laughs> as a fan? Oh, and three. Uh, here's the thing about Houston, man. I know they've got. Um, Watson, but do you believe if you're uh, if you believe in championship windows, if you uh, prescribe to that theory, I believe the window may be slammed shut did, on Houston. Did you see them offensively? And once again, the Steelers, one of the best defenses in the league last year, one of the best defenses in the league. I think as this season goes on, they will be one of the teams we talk about as having one of the better defenses in football. Did you see what the Texans' offense did in the second half of this game? I mean, Watson made a couple of plays in the first half, some some nice touchdowns, but yeah, they could what 50, 50 yards or something. Fifty-one yards of offense for Deshaun Watson and the Texans' offense in the second half of that football game. Fifty-one Brutal. total yards. It was Brutal. dominant by that Steelers' defense, but yeah, poor JJ. I'm sorry, man. Your brothers, they're, they're not going to let you forget it. Uh, they're going to make fun of you at holidays. Uh, is, is he no longer the best Watt? I mean, T.J. Watt is pretty effective. Yeah, I think T.J. surpassed him as a player, as a difference maker. Now, J.J.'s still good. Don't get me wrong, but he's not what he once was. And Hurt too much, man. Yeah, he's, oh, you, you start talking about back surgeries, ooh, that's when – He's had he's had a lot of problems, but he's still really good. I mean, he still gets out of his gap too much, and I'm sure that every defensive coordinator he's ever had has lost sleep over that. But you it's know. one thing, if you like, you can make the play whenever you're young and agile, and you can go get it done. But when you're old and can't get there anymore, you're screwing everyone behind you. Yeah. All right, Ted. Let's wet the beak, and wet the beak is brought to you by Tim Hughes Custom Homes. Are you looking to build your dream home? If so, Tim Hughes is the man you're looking for. Tim Hughes Custom Homes is a one-stop shop for all your home building needs. He can find you a lot. He can find you an architect. He'll find you financing. And of course, he can build your dream home exactly the way you want it. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, Tim found my wife and me a lot. He found us an architect and he built our new home. Tim and his team were so easy to work with. He is still helping us when we have questions about things around the house. He's also built several office buildings. So if your business is looking to build a custom office, Tim Hughes is your man. You can see Tim's custom builds throughout Gallardia, Nichols Hills, Oak Tree, Stone Mill, and Rose Creek. It is a great time to build the house of your dreams. For more information and to see Tim's spectacular work, visit his Instagram page at Tim Hughes Custom Homes or visit TimHughesCustomHomes.com. Monday Night 
football in what, what could be the most anticipated regular season game well since these two teams played last year <laughs> i mean no i mean just every everyone is very very excited uh, kansas city goes to baltimore baltimore is a three and a half point favorite patrick mahomes versus lamar jackson uh, i mean that's what's all the talk is about right and it should be right i mean you the last two nfl mvps two of the most exciting players in the league guys that you know I think Mahomes, it's safe to say he's the face of the league now, and uh, Lamar's kind of getting there as well. These are the two guys that a lot of people think of now when you talk about NFL football. So a huge game, and both of these teams have a legit shot at being the number one seed in the AFC, and this is something a lot of people I think have forgotten. With the expanded playoff, only one team – gets a buy this year so that thing is going to be worth its weight in gold right i mean you talk about getting that number one seed and that getting you a buy on that first week in the playoffs i mean that's that's huge and we've seen how important those buys are for teams in the past and that will be a huge advantage being able to rest and get right so this game could end up being the difference for these two teams when it comes to that number one seed. But I know there's a lot of talk about the quarterbacks. This game's going to come down to the defenses in some specific matchups. We'll see if the Chiefs can get Lamar Jackson into more third and long situations and let Frank Clark and Chris Jones do their thing as pass rushers. It seems like maybe the biggest question in this one is if the Chiefs can slow down Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, obviously Lamar Jackson and that running game, but Lamar's been so good throwing the football this year. There's, I, I don't normally get excited about safety tight end matchups, but Tyron Matthew on Mark Andrews, I think we're going to see a lot of that. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And then you talk about the weapons for Mahomes, you know, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, the rest of those guys – going against Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, and the rest of that Ravens secondary, which has an argument maybe to be the best in football. There's so many storylines in this one, Ted, and this this is the most excited I've been for an NFL regular season game in, in a while. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, two of the premier teams, obviously, in the entire NFL. Here's the thing, man, and – I would I would typically I would typically lean Baltimore here. I haven't been real high on Kansas City so far this year. Yeah, I, if if I was to lay you know some cash on this one, I, I I trust Baltimore's defense more at this point in time than I trust than I trust the Chiefs. Now, I would never bet actual money against Patrick Mahomes in a big game. I think that's that's just foolish. But if I had to, yeah, give me Baltimore. And at the time we're recording this, uh, the three and a half, I'd lay the three and a half and feel feel great about it with what I've seen. I mean, Baltimore's been dominant through two weeks, and Kansas City's had to do their comeback thing. So, well, so that's what I would typically do. Um, but I'm, I'm I've been down on Kansas City. I don't think they're they're playing up to their capabilities. But here's the thing, man. 
after winning the Super Bowl and kind of the offseason that they've had and offseasons that Mahomes had, I just don't feel like they've been challenged. Like that, that they've seen something out in front of them that's worthy of their best effort, if that makes sense. And now you're going up against Baltimore. There's, there's people out there that think Lamar Jackson is maybe the best quarterback in the NFL right now or the most dangerous quarterback in the NFL right now. Uh, Baltimore's the best team. They're the team to beat in the AFC. You're going to be a, an underdog, three-and-a-half-point underdog. I just I feel like because of the challenge, because of the spotlight, Monday night football, that Patrick Mahomes, all of Kansas City, they're just gonna have their breakout game to where everyone's like, Okay, yeah, that's our Super remember Bowl. Remember when this team yeah, remember when this team won the Super Bowl last year? Yeah. Yeah. So no, I-, I mean, I could be wrong on that, but I feel like this is the reminder game. And they're going to approach it that way. This is the first game worthy of them to, you know, put in a, a week of crazy prep and go out there and play their best game. Yeah, I I hope it's as entertaining. I, as and the I game get Mahomes at three and a half points. Okay, that's rare. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, uh, I feel you on that. Now, I hope it's as entertaining as and as weird as that Cowboys Seahawks game was. I mean, because that was a ton of fun to watch. I thought it was over. I walked away from it, it and then walked back in there. I was like, "What happened?" Dallas Dallas fans, they're gonna have a long year because they're gonna be in a lot of close games. It seems they they just hey, like to make it like to make it exciting. You've heard me say it, and I'll continue to say it for the rest of my life. There's nothing more entertaining than rooting against the Dallas Cowboys. It is the most fulfilling sports <laughs> moments time you'll ever spend it's it's the greatest well let's hope that the chiefs and ravens give us a good one <laughs> on monday night football because there's a lot of hype around that game all right ted let's finish it up with everybody's favorite segment and that is keeping it local where we highlight what's going on in the great state of oklahoma and keeping it local is brought to you by bishop mcginnis catholic high school as schools are reopening in the fall, parents want to provide the best possible educational experience and spiritual development for their children. There's no better place for that than Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. A one-to-one iPad setting makes McGinnis students fully prepared to continue high-level learning from home if necessary. A 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio guarantees no student is overlooked. In addition to athletic programs and clubs, Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses, Financial aid is available. For more information, visit bmchs.org. Okay, not great right now. Uh, Read an article by Cameron Jordan in The Oklahoman about some of the issues that high school football is having here in the state of Oklahoma. District play started for a lot of Oklahoma high school football teams, and there were a lot of cancellations. And we even saw the Oklahoma City Public Schools announce Friday that it was suspending athletics competitions indefinitely. Putnam City Public Schools and Millwood, they also put things on pause. A lot of teams, unfortunately, they made the trip for away games only to find out a few hours before the kickoff that they weren't playing. And I think Plank told me that that happened to Jinx, I want to say. Maybe it was in Lawton, I'm not sure. But it sounded like this happened to several teams now this, what's happening in Oklahoma City Public Schools and, you know, the 
Putnam City Public Schools, it has to do with the alert level for COVID in Oklahoma County right now. But, Teddy, this isn't good. This is not yeah. good. I, I don't know when these kids are going to be allowed to play again. And I'm not really going to – I'm not really sure what's going to happen. I, I We were hoping they'd be able to avoid this, but the coronavirus continues to be a huge asshole – and now it's affecting high school football, and I just feel I feel bad for the kids. I know they just want to protect everyone as much as possible, you know, from a health standpoint. I get that. I'm not I'm not saying that, you know, they're doing something wrong here. Like, yeah, I I have not dove into the data uh, in a while. I'm not gonna lie, but I just feel for the kids because there's nothing better than high school football, man. Nothing. Yep. I yeah. That's that's the worst. Um... Hopefully they get these games back. I, you know, I don't know what that yeah, means. Yeah, they're talking about trying to, you know, for the opponents of Oklahoma City Public Schools or the Putnam City Schools, they're, they're talking about maybe the opponents can try to reschedule the games down the line. But it's like, when will these teams yeah. be back and be allowed to play? Because I, I don't think it, – it wouldn't be smart in my opinion. So if you're not playing – what does that mean for practice, right? You, you right. would assume that now maybe some teams will still practice and they'll be like, yeah, we're still going to practice. That you know, wouldn't make a ton of sense, but it, I just, it, it doesn't seem like you'd be able to make them up, right? They just are kind of lost. Yeah. And, you know, I honestly, I don't know enough about it. Like, it, it's, it has to do with the threat level, obviously, but it doesn't necessarily have to do with, like, an outbreak on the team. So I don't know how they handled that, you know, right. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's difficult. I know it's, uh, it's frustrating for everyone involved. I know it's frustrating for the coaches, the players, the parents, um, the people that have to make the call. It's not an easy call to make. It's just, I thought I this, I thought we were supposed to have this stuff figured out by now. I'm not smart enough <laughs> to help, but you know, I thought we were going to have it figured out by now. It's frustrating. Well, I mean, it's going to be figured out in November. It'll be over. <laughs> I think. I mean, how many people I, I have you know. heard say that? I'm just like, wait, what? Like, you oh, yeah. know, well, I mean, I don't I know. Don't know. It, it's it's frustrating. I mean, it's incredibly frustrating. I just feel bad for the kids, man. That's the worst thing because I mean, you feel bad for the kids because you know it's really not affecting any of them. I mean, oh, I know yeah. that I know that they're getting it, but they're not getting sick. And you know, if they do have symptoms, it's like a cold, and that's about it. And as a 17-year-old, if you told me that you're shutting down the season or my game or whatever because uh, of this sickness, and the people that I know that are getting it don't even have any symptoms, then that would be very difficult to understand. So yeah, and I feel for them. I, you just know there's a couple kids that, you know, maybe they've gotten some letters from some schools. You know, they've had some yeah. coaches reach out, and maybe they, they busted it in the offseason. They added weight. They added strength. They got faster. Like, they really focused in. Like, hey, I'm working to get that scholarship. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make some big-time plays on the field. Like, I'm going to go to college for free and – some of those guys, they're just – they're not going to have the opportunity. Now, hopefully, uh, hopefully they get back to playing soon. I don't know. And then you know, we'll see 
if this happens in other school districts around the state, that, I mean, that's, that's I mean, a that is a good point though, to think about it, like for coaches, for recruiting, um, you know, finding the diamond in the rough. I mean, I know we've all heard these stories. Hey, two guys that I went to school with that were both ended up being all Americans, Mark Clayton, um, I can't remember what coach, but they were at his game to watch one of his teammates and saw him and were impressed by him. He ended up getting an offer from Oklahoma. Dan Cody, they were down there in Ada to, I think, see Brian Odom and saw Dan Cody. He ended up getting a scholarship. I mean, it's stuff like that. You know, whenever you're going around seeing players going into schools, you come across coaches that say, you need to look at this kid or you're watching film. And, you know, so it's just, what about those guys, those those hidden hidden gems out there that, you know, are late to emerge? Are they going to miss their opportunities? It, this sounds drastic, but some of these football games not being played, it could change some of these kids' course in life. I mean, I know, like, but those examples, I mean, those are real-life examples mm-hmm. where a coach is watching one kid some other kid catches his eye. He goes, who's that kid? And all of a sudden, like you're saying, he's an All-American at OU and he's making money playing football for a living. So I just one of those butterfly effect things. It just makes you think, all right, well, that was kind of a depressing <laughs> way to finish. But we started kind of depressed. We'll end it this way as well. <laughs> Episode 46 in the books, Ted. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Thursday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy and – you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400, and you can hear me on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375 from 3 to 5. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening, and do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one.